This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Hello everyone, welcome back to another edition of That Mill Podcast. You've got myself over today. I'm joined by a special guest. We've got Elliot Jackson from the Championship Chat Podcast. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. So, just as everyone bring up to speed, Elliot's a rival for tomorrow's game. Uh, we've got Sheffield Wednesday, obviously, tomorrow away at Hillsborough. Um, Elliot, you've obviously kind of had a bit of an interesting week with Sheffield Wednesday at the minute. We'll fly straight into it, mate. I mean, obviously, the point deduction story, bring us up to speed if you don't mind. Obviously, it's gone from 12 to 6 points, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's uh, only Sheffield Wednesday could have a week where they play one game and pick up nine points after losing the last four. Um, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So obviously the the team's on was on a pretty dismal run after losing four in a row to Brentford, which no one was really bothered about. Brentford at home can turn anyone over. No no concerns there. But pick up zero points from Luton at home, um, Wick, uh, Rotherham away, and then Wickham away, and not score any goals in the process. Um, it's fair to say that the pressure was on Gary Monk just a lot. 
Um, yeah, so it was looking very precarious for him. Unbeaten Bournemouth, obviously, rock up then on uh, Tuesday at Hillsborough. Wednesday, haven't won a home game for 251 days since February. Um, and then, obviously, in typical championship fashion, they turn him over 1-0 um, with, a, with a penalty from Barry Bannon. And then, uh, so that obviously gets them onto minus one because we were on minus before, before that with the points deduction. And then the, um, the result from the EFL appeal comes back. So Wednesday were docked 12 points, as I'm sure everyone's aware, um, for the start of the season. That was seemed relatively generous, given that they could have applied it onto last season, which would have relegated the club if they'd had the minus 12 then. Um, still baffled that people don't seem to understand the difference between this case and Wigan. Wigan's got is absolutely completely different. They went into administration, so there's no subjectivity to it. If you go into administration, you lose 12 points, whereas this was hotly contested by Wednesday, hotly contested by the AFL. It was a court case that it, they got charged about a year ago today, so it's been going on for 12 months now. Um, they lost 12 points, Wednesday appealed, and uh, the independent panel who gave them the initial deduction reviewed it, um, didn't dismiss the deduction totally, but did decide that the, the punishment was too heavy and gave them six points back. So they were briefly off the bottom of the table and up to five points, only for Wickham to then go and win in the 90th minute at uh, Birmingham on Wednesday night <laughs> and drop us back onto the bottom of the table. So, yeah, um, certainly looking a lot better. Um, only three points off safety now, um, off Forest, Derby just above us and uh, Wickham up to seven points. So they're on 22nd. So... Yeah, it's been a it's a very interesting couple of weeks to be fair after the week we had last week and then um nine points later and then things are looking a bit more rosy. Obviously you're extremely biased in regards to the the situation where you got twelve to six, but it was for financial fair play, right? So breaching like obviously in regards to what the the EFL set, isn't it? So you, you yeah. breached financial fair play and obviously you got hit with a twelve point deduction. I mean you didn't get last season, which was good for us because you relegated Charlton. So Millwall fans love that a little one up on Charlton because Charlton fans being upset is always a good thing for us. But um, so is it because I mean it's severity of it they deemed it to be too severe or what was the so on the it? way the way it works and for the record Wednesday did it they broke financial fair play so they deserved the punishment. So I mean <laughs> no no um, you know I'm not biased in that way at all. Wednesday Wednesday definitely they did they tried a bit of clever accounting and it, it backfired. So they they tried to sell the stadium Hillsborough. Um, to, to balance the books against the financial fair play because Wednesday spent millions in the first three, two, two to three seasons under Dave Ponchonsiri. came in Wednesday heavily under-invested under anyway um, in the squad. They, they were struggling around mid-table and obviously for a side, club the size of Wednesday got bought and then started chucking the money around and it, it nearly worked. They got to the playoff final in 2016 to lose 1-0 to Hull um, at Wembley and then lost on penalties the following season after finishing fourth to uh, Huddersfield, who obviously went up that season. So um, two really close bites to the cherry um, under Carlos Carvalho, and, uh, and then things went wrong, badly wrong. Um, finished injury-raven season, Carlos got sacked, Jos Lukai comes in, they finish about 14th. Mm -hmm. Steve Bruce then comes in the following season, um, gets them to about, I think they finished 12th, but really good signs, and then he leaves him in, in pre-season to go to Newcastle. So. Um, Again, more upheaval, more upturn, and uh, all, all, all the while, once they've struggled to balance the books, we've not sold. We've sold two players under Dave Ponchonsiri in six years, um, right. which was Jack Hunt, Jack Hunt in 2016, uh, 2017, and Lucas Yao last summer. Um, mm. for, so the, the big problem with Wednesday has been balancing the books. We've brought in players and players and players, had a really bloated squad, and then not been able to get them out. Um, and then we've, been, we've done that last two seasons, but they've all left for free. So like Fernando Forestieri, Stephen Fletcher, Sam Hutchinson, Sam Wynn, all these players that would have commanded fees um, left for free 
Um, so obviously it's good because it's got them off the wage bill, but equally they've not recouped any money, especially with Forestieri when they um, turned down £12 million from Fulham after the first season. So Crazy. Uh, that's been the big problem with that. Um, mm-hmm. So they tried to basically did the stadium sale, tried to put it through the, the accounts of the 17-18 uh, season, did it too late, um, and it went through the 18-19 essentially. That's what the EFL argued. And therefore, by not having it through the 17-18 accounts, they broke financial fair play for that free season period. Um, so basically, they tried to do the stadium sale, but did it in the wrong year because the land registry showed it was done a year later, which seems a really basic error to me as not someone who's not into accounting in the slightest. But it just seems if you're going through all the, the vigorous loopholes of trying to get around FFP, it seems like a very obvious error to make. But here we are 12 months later, that's why they got done um, for trying to get out of it with the stadium sale and not being able to sell it in the right time frame. Um, the accounts for the 18-19 season are still not out. and They should have been out in July, well, March even, or July, um, and they're still not out. So it's been a bit of a mess. Um, like I say, it, 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 they tried to sell the stadium, but uh, did it in the wrong year, so got done. Um, 12 points. Birmingham obviously got deducted nine. And the way that works is um, you are they were done um, you can get up to 21 points, basically. So you get up to 12 for how badly you break financial fair play, which is a sliding scale. Um, and Wednesday broke it more than Birmingham did, so they got 12 points for that. And then you can get an additional nine points if the independent panel uh, deduces that you've tried to lie or cover it up or mislead, um, which ones they were cleared of. So despite the FL claiming Wednesday tried to do that, um, they were cleared off, so they didn't get the nine points for an aggravated breach. That's the, the correct terminology. Um, but they did get a full 12-point blast for uh, basically smashing through FFP by about 60 million. <laughs> it's a lot of money, mate. I mean, I, I look at, yeah. uh, obviously, I look at your squad, for example, and even in the summer, you're able to, I know they're all loan signings, but you're talking Jack Marriott, Aidan Flint, Callum Patterson. You know, these are players that will be commanding decent wages. The same with Izzy Brown from Chelsea. Like, if I'm a Millwall fan, for example, we've signed Kenneth Sahor, who is probably on a, a decent wedge compared to what we normally pay. But, how can you go through the financial fair play scenario and still afford to get these wages? It's probably, it's not, I mean, you're probably looking at it from yourself thinking you're not spending a lot of money, but they're still players on decent salaries, I'd imagine. No, they absolutely are. The, the thing I would caveat to that is the fact the amount of wages that have gone out this summer um, is, is what I would say. Stephen Fletcher on 30 grand a week, Forestieri on 25 grand a week, um, you know, a lot of dead wood in the squad that have been on 15, 20 grand a week. So I would agree with you, um, and a lot of Wednesday fans, including myself, were really happy with the summer business. It was better than we expected, certainly to just to attract players into the building. Although it's a really big club, obviously it's not the most attractive proposition to come in, knowing you're going to fight relegation um, with a minus twelve deduction. We were really pleased to get Izzy Brown in particular because he he was the creative spark that Wednesday have lacked. It's all been on Barry Bannon um, from mm-hmm. deeper positions. So to get him through the door um, was a really good one. We needed strikers. We only had Jordan Rhodes. Um, as the only senior striker on our book because Fletcher went, New Year went, Winnell went, um, Lucas Schaus on the summer before, Fletcher went as well. So they'd not got any strikers into the first game of the season. They'd literally only got Jordan Rose. To, so to get Windass, to get Kachunga, Patterson and, and then Jack Marriott was, was a big one for me. One I was really happy with, although he's not had the greatest start. Um, I was really happy to get Marriott and uh, I'm hopeful he'll, he'll be the source of goals because still looking to replace um, Fletcher's 12 from last season and Jacob Murphy was second top scorer as well with seven who obviously went back on loan to New- uh, went back to Newcastle after his loan spell so replacing the goals has been the big one from a wage point of view um, it would be because so many went out to be honest is, is what I would say they've 
they bought a couple of players, but I know they only spent like half a million on Patterson, half a million on Windass, and the rest have been loans or frees, as you say. But um, yeah, because so many went out of the door, that, that freed up a lot of wages, probably the best part of 1800 grand a week on the wage bill, because that's how many players they went, that went out. Gotcha. Jordan Rhodes is a crazy one. I can't believe he's still Sheffield Wednesday player. I mean, I remember you guys signed him. Was it in January from Middlesbrough, wasn't it? Yeah, time? January 2017 it was. And I'm thinking, I remember seeing it thinking, you know, like obviously he went to Middlesbrough after being so good at Blackburn and Huddersfield being prolific. I thought that's a real good sign for you boys to kind of kick on at the time. But I think he went to Norwich, didn't he, on loan and stuff like that. And for him to still be at your club on your books still, it, just, it amazes me a little bit, if that makes sense. I know it shows he obviously got... No, you're is, it still, you're is it still the same right. deal from 2017 as well he's on? Or is yeah, it... yeah, yeah. He's not signing a new contract. His contract's Crazy. up this summer. Um, and again, he's another one that's probably that's on 30 to 35 grand a week, so he's probably a couple stop earning now. But he has been pretty abysmal. Um, and yeah. that's really sad for me to say, um, because I don't think there's a single Wednesday fan out there that didn't want this deal to work. I don't think there's a single Wednesday fan that without hindsight didn't want the deal to happen. So it would be wrong to say it was awful business. Um, with you know, Obviously it is in hindsight, but nobody knew at the time. Jordan Rhodes was um, absolutely prolific in the championship. Like you say, he did so well at Blackburn up front with Rudy Gestead. Went to Middlesbrough, didn't do too badly. Um, got a few goals to get him up and then didn't really get a kick in the Premier League for six months. And then Wednesday got the chance to buy him. So we got him on loan for six months, uh, two million pounds loan deal, which with the obligation to buy him for six. Um, the following series, the record buyer, eight million, if you have the two together. Um, and it's just not worked for him. Um, he's had three different managers now in um, four, actually, in Carlos, um, Yoslu, Kai, Steve Bruce, Gary Monk, and Lee Bullen in caretaker spell. I suppose you could count as five, but they've just not been able to get the best out of him. But because he is the enigma of Jordan Rhodes and, these stats pop up on Sky every now and again that he's still like the fifth highest scorer in the decade in the championship that some fans still think that he can, they can rediscover it. It's not going to happen. He's been at the club for three and a half years. He's, his goal scoring record's rubbish. The, the thing for me is it doesn't offer anything unless he's putting the ball in the back of the net and that might sound a bit stupid but there are some strikers that when they play even if they're not scoring you know they're good they're, they've got pacing behind to threaten or they can hold the ball up really well or they're a good link man um, Rhodes offers none of that he's not quick he's not particularly strong he doesn't hold the ball and that's not me trying to bash him that's just not the player he is he's a six yard box poacher similar to a, a Billy Sharp for example he doesn't offer a great deal outside of putting the ball in the back of the net so if he's not putting the ball in the back of the net he offers you very little and it's sure. hard to justify a place in the team for him No I get that I mean so when I look at Sheffield Wednesday obviously you're probably on stature a big club in our division you know you, you should be probably at the right end of the table instead of the bottom end but obviously that's not how football's run these days um, but, you know, I look at Sheffield Wednesday and I see your results and then sometimes we'll go through Twitter and then you click on a, a full-time result and that's always a good indication to see what the fans are thinking underneath. Gary Monk gets pelted by you lot, doesn't he? I mean, he's obviously, mm. what was the vibe at the time when he first came in? I remember you lot, last season, maybe Christmas time, decent run of form. I remember playing you at Christmas. Yeah, I remember playing you boys at um, Hillsborough on the, in February, I think it was. I was thinking it was a ball nil-nil for us and we took it at the time. We was quite happy with that. But I mean, I, we, on that day, it was kind of not a special game. You saw bits and bobs of why you boys were probably at third at Christmas, like you said. But it's kind of just down south since then, hasn't it? Or Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely bombed. Um, we were third at Christmas, as I've just said, um, and finished last season 16th. Um, mm. uh, so, pretty abysmal. Stoke finished above us in the end by a place. Um, oh, we might have been 17th, actually, and Stoke was 16th. But uh, yeah, absolutely bombed. So... Started really well. It was it was a really weird situation because obviously Steve Bruce left two weeks before um, before the season started. So Lee Bullen was in caretaker charge for 
um, those last couple of preseason games, and then the first six, I think it was, um, of the season. And he got a couple of wins, uh, a couple of losses, and a draw. And it was a bit of a meh sort of start. Um, and then the club went and appointed Gary Monk. And the weird thing was, Gary Monk had been out of work, so there was no reason for the delay, really. And I think that's what put a lot of Wednesday fans, fans off. It put me off, not didn't put me off, but it didn't seem as sexy an appointment had he done them. They'd done it straight away. I quite like Gary Monk. I liked him before. I thought he did a really good job at Birmingham. Um, I thought he was harshly sacked at Leeds and Middlesbrough. Well, he, he sort of left Leeds in a bit of a cloud rather than sacked. But I thought he'd done a decent job. So I'd been quite an admirer from the outside anyway. Um, certainly for his work at Birmingham. Again, he had a points deduction there and dealt with it really well. Um, but it was the delay that, that just didn't help. And it just felt a little bit underwhelming because of the six-week delay to just game in when he was available all along. But he had a really good start, as I said. Um, and... We were well aware that the club needed a clear out. Everyone has been. We, we needed to finally have some closure on those couple of seasons where we got to the playoffs and we were spending big. Um, and we knew there was going to be a massive turnover of players in the summer. Um, and Monk kept talking about that. We got to third at Christmas and then things just absolutely fell apart. And as I say, they, they've won one home, they've won two home games this calendar year. Um, the last home win was against Charlton in February and then they won on Tuesday night. So... Home form's been abysmal. Um, they got turned over 5-0 at Brentford, 5-0 at home to Blackburn, although they did have a man sent off in that. Um, and 2020's just been awful in terms of form. I think they've won six, well, it's now seven, seven out of 33 games they've won. Uh, the last 33, which is, is pretty horrific, was six out of 32, obviously, before Tuesday night. So it's more the, the run of results. Um, he's been dealt a lot of bad hands in the fact that obviously we've had a points deduction looming over the club for, the, for a year. He didn't bring in any of his own backroom staff till the summer. So he, he nearly went a full season without his own people, which I absolutely respect him for. And I was very much of the opinion that, yes, the results aren't right. They're, they're not really good enough, but he's not had his own pre-season. He's not had his own backroom staff. He's not got his own squad. Give him till the summer. Um, let him rebuild. We've got, like I say, we had about eight players out of contract. Clear the books, uh, bring some fresh blood in. Um, and I, I was I was quite supportive of him. I wanted him to stay. Um, that was a very split opinion. I think I think 40% probably agreed of my stance and 60 wanted him out. Um, and then obviously when you have a you know start to the season, Wednesday haven't didn't have time to wait with a minus 12 deduction. And then when you uh, you lose three games in a week to Luton at home, Rotherham away and Wickham away. We're scoring zero goals. It is pretty indefensible. Um, but obviously, so I, I was at the point after the Wickham defeat where I was about ready for a change. And just because I didn't, it was one of those things. I'm, I'm a massive. I have a massive gripe with people that always trot out the the, the age old line of oh he's lost the dressing room. The players aren't playing for him. That was not the case, and it's still not the case. The players have always been playing for him. But there's a difference between them not playing for him and him getting the best out of the group of players which is where I thought he was letting himself down a little bit, especially with those three defeats. But the players have always been behind him. And there's no doubt about that, in my opinion. And I'm really, I want him to succeed, so I'm really pleased that they obviously got the win um, on Tuesday. And, and then the six-point uh, addition will, will naturally take the points off him because it means Wednesday can afford to give him a little bit more time and hopefully he'll turn those re results around. But yeah, split fan base, a lot wanted him gone particularly after the Wickham defeat, I'm happy to say that I, I, I said on our podcast and, and so did my colleague George, who's a Sheffield Wednesday fan who is on the pod with me, we were both about ready for a change um, after the Wickham to, to not even score a goal um, and lose to, to, you know, three teams that, although Luton have had a really good start, three teams that you would expect to be fighting against relegation um, as well as Wednesday to lose to all three rivals, not score a goal. Um, you know, it just seemed like he wasn't getting enough, but hopefully uh, that'll turn around now.
it highlights what the championship's about, though, because I think we no, had it's, it's strange because obviously you lost to Luton, lost to Rotherham, lost to Wickham. We played all three of them at the start of the season, the so far this season as well. We beat all three of them, and it's like, but then you turned up and beat Bournemouth. So obviously, it's was it a result you guys deserved midweek? Was it like a good performance kind yeah. of against the odds or? Yeah, by by all accounts, definitely it was a much improved performance. Bournemouth obviously rocking up to Hillsborough and beating as well. So they've not lost of any of the first uh, ten games or eleven now. So they've not lost any of the first ten, although there's quite a few draws in there. And um, the the verdict from the Bournemouth sort of side was they turned up with their best eleven as well. You know, David Brooks was playing, Josh King up front, mm-hmm. a back three of uh, Chris Meppham, Steve Cook, and Lloyd Kelly is good enough to play in the Premier League, never mind the 100%. Championship. So with Asmir Begovic behind them, so. When you've got Lewis Cook on the bench, Dominic Solanke on the bench as well, it just shows the strength and depth they had. Um, you know, we essentially lost to a, a couple of League One sides and then go and uh, lose to a Premier League, uh, go and be a Premier League outfit. So it's 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 very Sheffield Wednesday. It's very the Championship, and that's why we love it. But uh, no, it was a deserved win by all accounts. Bolton didn't really create anything, lacked, lacked some incision um, in their play. I'm not sure the three-five, well, three-four-three really suits them that well. I think a back four would suit them better. Um, but Wednesday defender a lot better. Um, some good individual performances in there and a Stonewall penalty. Um, Josh Windass taking the ball round, Belik Begovic and getting bumped by. Steve Cook, very similar to a red card. Tom Lee's actually got a Rotherham, very, very similar, um, where he's gone around the goalkeeper and then got bumped. He got a red card. Bannon scored the penalty and, and they saw it out. And obviously conceding late goals for Wednesday has been a, a massive problem under Gary Munkin. And generally speaking, they've, I think they've conceded the most in the league after the 85th minute over the last 12 months or so. So, to see that one out was a really big win and, and get a clean sheet as well. It's free at the back is something you boys play as well, as much as us. So, I mean, I don't know how much you know about how we set up and stuff, but we're very similar in the sense that we play three defenders, you know, Jake Cooper, Sean Hutchinson, and sometimes Murray Wallace, Alex Pierce. So, is that something Monk switched to in recent times or has it been yeah. something we've done all along? Or? No, we, we were playing about four and it was uh, after lockdown. So, it was after everyone came back in June that Wednesday switched to a back three. They've not played a back three. Played it under Jos Lukai a little bit, but uh, not predominantly in the last six years or so. They've, they've played a little bit under Lukai. And, uh, Monk's gone to a back three. It suits some players better than others. Um, it suits Tom Lees massively, who dropped out of form, um, because he's not the most he's not the best at distributing the ball. Um, so having him in the centre is perfect, because he's a really good pound-for-pound defender. Um, so in terms of, as stupid as it sounds, kicking and heading and, <laughs> and general organisation, He's really good. He's not the quickest either, so it protects him. Having Iolfa on the right was absolutely rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it suits Iolfa because he used to play at fullback and now he's converted to a centre-back. So in that wide centre-back role, that suits him really well. Um, the left-hand side has been interesting because um, Juice Van Aken, who was um, got another big signing during the Carlos era um, for £4 million, pounds, who bombed, um, got sent out on loan the last couple of seasons. He was in, in the second division of German, German football for Bundesliga 2 last year. He's come in and had a resurgence in that left centre-back role and he's really talented on the ball and we've, we've known that for a while. It's just getting him up to the speed of the championship and the, the physicality of it, which he struggled with. So he suits that left centre-back role a lot, but Julian Borner doesn't particularly, who uh, had a really good spell at the start of his Wednesday career in a back four, um, but struggled pretty much ever since Christmas as the team did. His form has been pretty uh, similar to the teams, started really well and dropped off, but... I think it. I think wing backs the big problem for Wednesday. They've, they've got a few players. He, I think Monk's tried four different combinations of wing backs in in the opening ten games. So he's not found the right players to fit those roles. We've we've been playing Kadeem Harris sometimes on the left wing back, sometimes at right wing back. Adam Reach has played on the left and then in midfield, um, and finding the right balance up front. But 
I think I think for me it, it's all right for now. I, I, I think it, I'm a bit concerned about the wing backs. I think I think you've got to have the right wing backs to play to play the system. I'm not sure Wednesday found the right combination and balance there. Um, I think they could get away playing four four two pretty similarly um, because we've got full backs like Liam Palmer, for example, is a really good full back, a really good right back, but he's nowhere near good enough offensively to play as a wing back. Um, he's more suited if he's playing in the back three to playing right centre back, but. That they haven't really got a left back at the minute because Morgan Fox left um, to join Stoke in the summer. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. It'll be an interesting uh, clash with, obviously, like you say, you guys playing pretty much the same in a in a three five two. Um, and you know, I, I think you've you've really adapted to that well. You've got, like you say, um, Jake Cooper's a, a centre half who I really think's really top class. Um, definitely could see him potentially making that step up to the Premier League, which is something Millwall have done really well. They picked off players from the Championship clubs that weren't necessarily. Um, as as valued as they should have been. Obviously, Cooper, for example, at Reading, not really getting a game, goes to Millwall, would now walk into the Reading team pretty much. Um, Ryan Woods is another one. I'm a massive Ryan Woods fan. Still find it weird how Stoker let him go on loan, especially after the he's, money paid for him. Obviously, it was Rowett that brought him in. He's a sort of player that we don't normally associate with Millwall, if that makes sense. He's, he's, no, he's, yeah. he, he's not your typical mid- Millwall midfielder, so to speak. We, like Millwall fans, we love Ben Thompson, for example, who's like all tackling, non nonsense. Yeah up and out him so to speak Woods is a luxury player but in a sense he's key to what Ray wants to do there so like he ticks things over makes things work and he makes players like Cooper look better I feel like so like he's important to have in there because he's just composed and we played press a couple uh, a week ago we got a nice tuna win away from home and he was key to that one Woods like just picking it over the transition quick turnover to Bennett and Jed Wallace up front with obviously a striker next to him so it, it does work and it's it'll be interesting I mean I look at Sheffield Wednesday you still got Barry Bannon you still got uh, Josh Windass and stuff like that. Are these are these like the key players we got to watch out for on Saturday or? Yeah, Bannon definitely. Bannon's the captain now. Um, he mm-hmm. got the armband off Tom Lees in the summer that made that change. Um, but yeah, um, Bannon's Bannon will definitely play. Massimo Luongo is a massive miss at the minute. He's injured and he's probably not going to be fit for that game. So he would have been another one. Them two as a midfield pair have really um, complemented one another. Luongo, like you say, a bit like Thompson, more of a, a destroyer, and it like gives Bannon that license. Um, Izzy Brown's another big one, but he's been injured, so he. Had a really good start to his career, but he's not played the last four or five um, through injury. He was on the bench against uh, Wickham, on the bench against um, Bournemouth in midweek. So I'm hopeful he'll come into the team because he adds that extra creative spark and just gives Bannon a little bit, you know, you could mark Bannon out of the game and you've marked Wednesday's creative threat out of the game a little bit if, if Brown's not playing as well. So he'll, them two will definitely play. Up front's been interesting. They've, they've rotated. It was Patterson and uh, Marriott for a long time for, for three or four games. Which I think is probably Wednesday's best pairing still. Um, but Windass came into the team, came back into the team on um, on Tuesday night, and he did really well. So I wouldn't expect any changes really. It wouldn't surprise me if Monk stuck the same team. So probably Kachunga and um, and Windass up front. He could potentially play Windass slightly deeper if Izzy Brown doesn't play, and play Pelly Pessy Bannon. Windass as the number ten, and then maybe Patterson comes in to to combat obviously the the more physical threat that Millwall will offer to, to compared to uh, Bournemouth, for example. So. Could do that, probably will do that, actually, in my opinion. Play Windass, Patterson and um, Kachunga as a, as a trio, probably up front. Could Dean Harris also be suspended? Is that a miss? Obviously, he seems to be been ever-present for you boys. And if I think he's playing on the left-hand side, is he on the wing-back by the looks of it? Is, that, is he going to be a miss? Yeah, he, well, he's been switching right and left. So, sometimes he's playing left. It depends if Adam Reach plays. But um, they have appealed it. So, they're, they're, they're hopeful that that will get rescinded um, and he'll be able to play. And if it does get rescinded, he'll, he'll start. I would expect him to play again. I can't even see him changing the back five too much, given the fact that they've kept a clean sheet in midweek, um, which 
the only thing he could do is bring Tom Lee's back in, who was suspended, and then his wife gave birth in midweek, so he wasn't involved then. Um, and he's probably been Wednesday's best defender, but he'd keep a clean sheet, he might keep that the same. Or sure. um, I'd imagine Liam Palmer might come out, I offer him to right centre-back and Lee's will, will pop back in, into the centre. But I can't imagine too many changes after after you know, after you know that long-awaited home win. Sorry, is Monk, if you know if we turn up and win tomorrow from Mill point of view, is Monk on borrowed time a little bit again? Or is it is the consensus, you know, hopefully a clean slate and kick on after midweek news? Or I, I think for me, the, the midweek news definitely buys him more time. Um, it does, in my opinion, anyway, because he, he has overhauled the squad massively. I think they brought in eight players in the summer. Um, so that is a massive overhaul. You do need time to do that. The, the Obviously, the difference is when you've got minus 12, you don't have the luxury of that time. Um, whereas with minus six, it does give Wednesday a little bit more wiggle room. But then we've got an international break, which everyone knows is notorious in November for making a change. I don't think they will, even if they lose, because Champ Series is a very loyal chairman. He likes to give his managers time, which is something... He probably doesn't get enough credit for. He's not a hire and fire sort of manager. Although we've had a few managers in the last few years, that's because of circumstances and the fact Steve Bruce left. No one wanted him to leave. Um, so things like that. He's not, you know, we had Carlos for two and a half years. Yoss left after a year because he was doing rubbish and the fans wanted him out ages before that. So um, he's stuck by his managers, generally speaking. Even if they lose on, on Saturday, I wouldn't expect a change. Um, and I, I wouldn't push for a change, particularly as a fan, because I think with the, the six points has just helped gives him a little bit more time and I, I want to see Monk succeed I like a lot of what he says um, you know that I like the approach he's trying to do and what he's trying to do for the club I can see the long term vision he's just got to get there quick enough that they don't get relegated um, and that's the the payoff and when it was minus 12 obviously you don't have that luxury of time but now they've got six points back I'm, I'm more willing um, and, and to, to give him a little bit more time so no I wouldn't expect to change if, if they do lose at the weekend Okay, valuable insight as always. Thanks for that. I mean, I'll press you for one more question before you go. What's your prediction for tomorrow's game, mate? What are you thinking? What's the heart saying for you there? I, I think Wednesday will, will back it up with a point, personally. I could see this being a one-all draw or, or maybe even a nil-nil, as, as dull as that would be. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I would. I, I feel, I, I'm hoping, although we've had so many false dawns that, that that probably won't be the case, that Wednesday we'll be able to kick on from the midweek result from a, a good home performance as well, which has been, like I say, 251 days between home victories. So I'm hoping they'll kick on. I would take a point. Um, you know, Millwall are a really tough side. They've been really good away from home as well this season, which is mm-hmm. it's been a weird one. I, you know, I've found it really strange looking at the Championship that you, Preston, Cardiff, three teams who've probably got the best home form last season can't buy a win at home and and seem to be it's, it's in a way. I think yeah. with us, I know it sounds silly, but I think the, the, the no, no fans is a big factor for us, I think. Mm. Especially our side, like, I think Rowett, what was so great what he'd done is when he came in, he kind of brought players in that would, you know, win the fans over instantly. You know, we had Jason Olympia all from Brighton last season, you know, players that would put a tackle in and also get the fans in the atmosphere going. A bit like with Sheffield Wednesday, I feel like. When we go to Hillsborough, if you, when you look at it going, it's always uh, it's quite an intimidating space to go to and you do make a noise, especially when you're in that away and sometimes tacked away. So, I mean, I think we've missed the fan factor. Everyone has, but I think in our case, I do feel like it's a little bit more for us. But the good thing that Rowett's done is this five at the back has made us so unbeatable. I think it's 10 clean sheets and 15 exactly. games away from home, which is amazing. So that, you know, if you draw your away games and win your home games, you're normally in a good position, except we're just not winning the home games at the minute. So. You're doing the opposite. You're winning your exactly. away games, trying to pick up a point at home. Yeah, I found it Crazy. weird. Like, I said Cardiff have been very similar and Preston have as well. They were so good at home last season. Mm. The complete opposite. Preston have won, like I said, they've lost all their home games and they've won four 
away and, and drawn one. So very strange you for you three clubs in particular. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you with the draw tomorrow. I mean, we on Norwich the other day, we sat to play for the draw. We took a couple of players out, rested some players. Mason Bennett comes back in tomorrow who's a big player for us. And I think yeah. he has that kind of raw pace and he's a bit direct on the ball. So if he has a good chance against Dunway Alpha, obviously, who you've got probably playing in the rest of the position, that would be an interesting little battle there. So if he maybe comes out on top, it could be hopefully a match-winning contribution. Jed Wallace always kind of floats in and out. So we'll have to see with that one. But yeah, no, I appreciate your time today, mate. I think it'd be a good game. I hope we get the three points, but I think a draw is probably a fair reflection, I think, of what's going on at the moment. So, yeah, thanks for your time, as always. No, no worries at all. Thank you for having me on. No worries. So that's Elliot Jackson from the Championship Chat podcast, so be sure to check him out if you haven't done so. Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding your motorcycle with your buddies on the open road. It's a potent cocktail of thrills, laughter, and pure adrenaline. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now, hit it, sound effects guy. I'm real proud of you, son. Wow, that was terrible. Our apologies for even trying. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.